We good? Fine. Okay. Yeah, I'm good to go. Yeah. Welcome, man. Uh, first of all, thanks for uh, coming on the program uh, for the opportunity to talk with you. Where, where are you calling from oh, today, Coach? Uh, Latonia, Georgia. I'm not going to be one of the people that lie. People be talking about they're from Atlanta. It, listen, it's, <laughs> I'm in one of the million suburbs of Atlanta, okay? That is where I am, Latonia. It's uh, about 20 minutes, 20, 30 minutes east of downtown Atlanta. So that's where we are, baby. Okay, I didn't know if you were still based in in Indy because we just had the 500 here. Uh, did you have a chance to catch that while you lived here? I I never went to the Indy 500. I did go to the Brickyard 400. My great uncle, Uncle Bobby, uh, rest in heaven, Uncle Bobby. He took me. Actually, I got a good Uncle Bobby story for you. This might not have nothing to do with you, but my <laughs> uncle here. Bobby took me to WrestleMania eight in the yeah. RCA Dome when the Ultimate Warrior came back. And when I tell you, when that music hit, the whole building went nuts. And imagine, that's like 92 or 94. I think maybe 94, WrestleMania is 94. But like, I'm six or eight years old. Imagine being a six or eight-year-old boy and Hulk Hogan's getting beat up. And, and, and so another funny story, my granddaddy used to not let me watch wrestling sometimes because when the good guys would lose, I would cry. I would get upset when the good guys would lose. And so, but imagine being six or eight years old and that music hit and he came oh. running down and it's RCA dome. So he ran about 150 yards. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. yeah. The place went nuts. So Uncle, Bo Uncle Bobby used to take me to the car shows, but yes, Uncle Bobby took me to the Brickyard 400 and I was maybe, I was maybe preteens and I was like, yeah, this, this, this four left turns is a little stupid uncle, but I'm glad I was able to get the experience. <laughs> So shout out to Indianapolis, the home city. Yeah. Uh, well, and I found it interesting. I believe this is true that uh, the ultimate warrior is actually from Indiana. He grew up here. And no, then... he's from somewhere. He's some, yeah, somewhere in Indiana. You're absolutely right. Yes. Yeah. And uh, I, I know it's like narrowing down. It's like picking your favorite child. But uh, do you have a favorite wrestler? My all time favorite wrestler is none other than the heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels. Hey, now. That's a good pick, man. And I got to find if there's pictures. But I had one of my aunts design me a little outfit for Halloween one time, baby. <laughs> Listen, we got we to gotta find some, you know, pictures. We didn't have camera phones then, so I got to find some Polaroids. But I'm telling the heartbreak kid, because he wasn't the biggest guy, but just his his in-ring skills. And then, like, he was a guy that you hated. Like, he was a guy you didn't want to leave at dinner with your girlfriend if you went to the bathroom. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you did not want to, hey, baby, we got to go to the bathroom. So I, we got to go to the bathroom, girl. Come on. Well, and plus, you know, you had him with uh, Triple H, the D-Generation X. He had some variety to his character, which made him cool. You know? That was it, man. Nope. So, yeah, I definitely got a favorite. All right, listen. Huh? Yeah. I, you know me. I'm rolling with the nature boy, Ric Flair. Come on, man. And, One uh, and only. <laughs> well, and, and only. the most emotional moment I've ever had watching wrestling was Ric Flair's match at WrestleMania with Sean, you know, where he's setting him up for the Sweet Chin music and just goes, I'm sorry. I mean, I broke I broke yeah. down in tears. Yeah. He told happened. him he loved him. He told him, man, he loved him, man. Yeah. And then he kicked him in the face. One other thing I want to ask you about WrestleMania 8, since you were there, uh, was that supposed to be the WrestleMania where Hulk Hogan was supposed to wrestle Ric Flair in the ultimate, like, best versus best match? No, that was the story build up where Ric Flair was acting like he had a thing with Miss Elizabeth and him and Macho Man wrestled. So they was like the co-main event. So he beat Ric Flair. Macho Man beat Ric Flair 
for the title. And then the last match was Sid versus Hogan, which I didn't understand why it was the last match, but whatever. That that was that. Did you ever have any ambitions being a pro wrestler or doing something in that realm? I absolutely did. I, listen, it was my childhood dream. <laughs> I used to do, listen, Jim, I'm telling I used to do monologues in the mirror. You know what I'm saying, man? Yeah. I just, but when I got to high school and I realized, and I was eat, I was 5'4", 145 pounds, I was like, <laughs> yeah, I don't really think. And outside of Ray Mysterio, you know what I'm saying? Like, it wasn't nobody really for yeah. me in that in that space, in that lane. But now in 2023, you can do whatever. But yes, as a child, that was going to be my thing. I was going to, I, I used to, I used to like put uh, finisher combos together, trying to figure <laughs> out what mine was going to be. My cousins, uh, I have family in Hopkinsville, Kentucky. And so I covered cousins, Travis and Anson. And the way their room was set up, it was like one bed was, it was like almost like an L, but it was like spaced out. So we would jump from one bed to the other bed and do <laughs> wrestling moves on each other, man. You you ignore the warning of don't try this at home. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. Look, I'm telling you this right now. <laughs> Submission holds hurt. That's all I know, brother. I'm going to tell you. Submission yeah. holds hurt in real life. That's all I know, man. You, you, you strap somebody in the sharpshooter, they hold back going to feel like it's about to fall off. I, I was going to say, it's either the sharpshooter or the figure four leg lock. <laughs> One of the two. E yeah. Either or. Those hurt in real life. Um, I know you, though, uh, going mm -hmm. back to my days at Carmel, where you were an assistant coach for the Carmel football program. And uh, thinking back at those days, I, I don't appreciate how wonderful that was, man. Like, how do you get involved uh, with a program like Carmel back in the day? So shout out to Coach Coach Wright, Coach Kevin Wright, who is now currently the tight ends coach at Indiana University, who was actually my head coach at Warren Central. I'm a Warren Central okay. warrior. Uh, graduated in 2004, went to college, came home. And uh, I think a lot of times as guys, we don't know what's next, right? Like I knew I loved football. Um, my sec my sophomore year in high school, I tore my ACL before the first game of the whole season. I missed the entire season oh. on at practice on field goal block. <laughs> I, I, but um, I think that kind of planted a seed that I kind of wanted to be around the game for forever. So you get out of college and you're like, well, what's next? And so I had a really good friend of mine who, um, Craig Henderson, shout out to him. He's actually coaching in the North-South All-Star game in a couple of months. Uh, so he'll be coaching there. Um, and it's actually another coach we're going to talk about, Coach Spear. We're going to talk about him. He's coaching. He's coaching in the game, oh, game as well. So we may have to go check that out because I'm thinking about pulling up. So we may have to meet each other there. But yeah. my buddy um, was first year as a defensive coordinator at Harrison High School in West Lafayette. And he was like, bro, I know you fresh out of school. I know you play. Can you help me? Right. So I went and coached cornerbacks there for a year. And then Coach Wright called me. And it was the funniest conversation. He was like, TD, I might have a job for you. I'm going to call you back. And I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> and now that we're grown and we're adults, we understand school boards got to sign off on it, blah, blah, blah. Woo -woo. So he had brought me in to uh, coach running backs when coach Wright took over for coach Mo. Uh -huh. And they had also hired coach Spear to come in as well. And so my first year at Carmel, we co-coached we co running backs. And then from there on, I coached corners going forward. So that's how I got in coach Wright. That's my guy. Shout out to coach Wright. He the man, my guy. I need <laughs> yeah. some tickets for this season. All right. Appreciate it. <laughs> well, and uh, I can remember having you for study hall <laughs> and mm. I'm curious, like what requirements did coaches have as far as a teaching standpoint? Man, listen, they, yeah. listen, they say, you want to coach, we'll find a job for you. We'll, <laughs> listen, when I was at Carmel, I was a, 
I was a, a hall monitor. I had study hall. I had credit recovery. They listen, man. They they definitely. I shout out to them. If you want, and I think it's a lot of times what happens to, especially young African American men. We we major in stuff that we don't we don't think about being a teacher, but then we want to coach football. Now it's like, oh, uh, do right. So yeah, wherever there was a job, I would have swept the floors if I could have coached football. How much did you learn from the students? I would imagine that you know when you're hearing their stories and all the drama they're going through, it kind of puts your life in perspective too. Yeah, I. You know what, man? I um. One of the things about high school athletics, it keeps you young, man. It keeps you connected. You know what I'm saying? They would let you know when something ain't cool, like, hey, Coach Dixon, that ain't it, big dog. And I'm like, all right, cool. <laughs> but you know what it is, though? It just, it, 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 it's, I think you got to be able to connect, right? And I think we got to always remember, you know, I got a nine-year-old son. Like, I was nine at some point in time. So, like, when he be getting on my nerves, I'm just like, that's just me all over again. And I'm just old and cranky. Mm -hmm. And so, but just listening to them, like, understanding that, no matter where you live, Carmel, east side of Indianapolis, west side, south side, north side, people, kids, kids have needs. Kids, parents work a lot. They're trying to figure it out. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? They're trying to discover themselves, you know, mm -hmm. self-discovery. And so, Jimmy, you was in there. You know, my study hall, it was more of a therapy <laughs> session sometimes. It was. It yeah. was a video game session sometimes. It was just, I just tried to be whatever you guys needed me to be. You know what I'm saying? And I think that, you know, y'all got teachers. Y'all got people. Uh -huh stressing y'all about the homework this may be a safe place where you want to come take a nap you know what i'm saying like i don't know you know whatever y'all needed to make it through the day that's what i tried to be while i was there well and uh you definitely were that man and one thing that uh, is definitely different carmel is even more of a campus than it was when i was there right. uh you know they got the full locker room and stuff and we want to believe that public schools and and sports don't matter but like how much pressure was there as a coach week to week of we got to be prepared. We got to be ready to kick some ass. Listen here, man. Football is, you know how they say basketball is basketball <laughs> other yeah. places, but in India football is football other places, man. But in the Mick at a place like Carmel with, um, and I think what adds pressure to Carmel is that like, you may have schools that are good in basketball, right? You may have schools that are good in football. Like Carmel's good in swimming, baseball, basketball. So you don't want track and field. Shout out to my dog, coach Browner track and field you don't want to be the team that ain't winning and so and then to know that each week like if people could beat karma you know uh, i remember yeah. my senior year in high school warren central kind of had that energy back in the day when i was growing up like we lost to lawrence north on senior night and that made day that made day they they season now luckily we were able to play them in the playoffs and get some get back but if a team could come in to karma and beat karma or or could say they beat they might went one in nine uh -huh. but they beat Carmel. So the pressure and the stress to know that you're going to get everybody's best week in and week out. And then the stress of we got to win, you know, win, winning, winning, winning is what the tradition is here across sports. So it was tough, man. It was no days off. Like you, 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 you process Friday, you, you watch film on Saturday and Sunday, you back at it again. It's a grind. <laughs> well, and uh, Carmel isn't Dylan, Texas, but I watched uh, Friday night lights, man. Kind of had the same intensity of like, we need to win Friday or, or coach might be in trouble. Here. <laughs> I, well, I don't know. Well, I hope we never felt that, but I, I yeah. will say this about Carmel high school and shout out to coach Hebert. Uh, my dog, you know, Man, he, great he had guy. coach there for sure. It was DC when I was there, but I used to call Carmel the jungle, bro. I called it the jungle. Cause like <laughs> when, like my last year, I, I, I worked at one of the elementary schools. I didn't work at the high school. Right. And so we got out early. Right. And so when I would pull up on Fridays, Man, it'd be people in the parking lot already tailgating, uh -huh. 
maybe or maybe not some of the stews was already out there, but it was like, come. And then like, I would go out first with the kick returners, right? So I could see the crowd deal, but come seven o'clock, man, uh -huh. it didn't matter who he's playing. It didn't matter who's playing Terre Haute South or who's playing Ben Davis or Warren Central. That home stands. And then, you know, y'all would have y'all little theme nights and stuff, man. Right. And then the little, I believe we can win chant. And when that <laughs> thing got to rocking that full, Boy, man, I, I called you. it the jungle. I, we can go back and look at the stats. I can't tell you how many home games Carmel has lost because it's a tough place to play because the kids, the kids make it an exciting place. They make it an experience. The middle school kids be there. I think Carmel does a great job of including the elementary. And the, it, I'm telling you, yeah. that place used to have, I used to have chills before kickoff, man. Me too, bro. I, I'll tell you, one of the best highlights of my career was uh, the game against Warren Central in the sexual championship, the max preps game of the week. Like, oh yeah, we, we got national attention with that. And yeah, Sheldon yeah. Day, who went on to the NFL, was in that yeah. game. Like, man, it was big. who, um, that's a great question for you. Like, you saw a lot of talent come through mm -hmm. either on Carmel or our opposition. Like, who were some of the best players that you saw come through during your time? Uh, people that stand out to me, uh, I'm going to probably throw out some people that probably don't really, you know, they think, uh, I think Devin Brinson started it all for me. I mean, he was a really good high school awesome running back. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, he could get up and go. Uh, he was thick, too. Devin was thick. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy Herman was a superhero. Like, ain't no reason why you should be 6'4", 215 in high school, coming downhill, playing safety. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, we probably, like, that's just how, even with, we had John Kenny. Like, so we was kind of greedy then. You know what I'm saying? Like, but right. Jimmy Herman was a man. Um Called Sean David Heffern, Bell. Oh yeah, all those guys. I called yeah. David Bell. I mean, you talk about other school. I called David Bell early. I I I, I thought he was going to be a player, um, for yeah. uh, for for Warren Central, and obviously it worked out that way. Uh, I'm just trying to think of people, players that I was like, nah, he he could get. Oh, we played. You remember we played Trinity High School. Reggie Bonifant played quarterback for them and ended up playing quarterback receiver running back he may still be he played for the panthers for a while reggie bonifant played quarterback man listen jimmy yeah. they ran boot they ran waggle right the right. fullback is wide open in the flat <laughs> he shakes it off and throws the backside post like 50 yards i say yeah it's gonna be a long game baby <laughs> <laughs> yeah so we hadn't Boy. we hadn't seen nobody do that we had you know what i'm saying at the right. high school level we hadn't seen anybody that that could extend plays like that I'm telling you, when, when I it was at our place, I said, yeah, it's going to be a long night, baby. It's going to be a long One night. One of the roles that I know you fulfilled, man, it was to sort of be the hype man for, cool. for the team. Like, yeah. how important was that role for you to get the team going and, and ready, to, ready to roll? Man, football was a game. It's, it's a it's an energy-based game. You know what I'm saying? And you yeah. got to, you got to. You gotta be a little not wrapped up tight here to play. You know what I'm saying? And you gotta <laughs> you gotta be present in the moment. And so for me, I've always been that guy. Going back to even when I was in high school, like you know, I might not have been a star player, but I don't no, get me wrong. You can go, I'm Googleable. I got busy though, Jimmy. I got busy, but <laughs> yeah. I was always a captain. I was always a leader, and uh, just always trying to be that emotional support and that guy to be like, "Yo, we gonna go get this." Because at the end of the day, as the players look at us as coaches, and if it's like, okay, I feel like my coaches, he gonna go to war with me, then we gonna be cool. So now, nah, man, I have fun. It's come with hands. Shakes. Me and my son, we got a handshake, bro. I'm telling you, I'm the same got guy, to. Jimmy. I'm the same guy, baby. You know what I'm saying? So, no, nah, that was – and it was crazy. It, I did feel some pressure sometimes. I'm like, dang, what am I going to say this week? I don't know. You know what I'm saying? But, like, 
I just went out there and I was just present and I just said whatever I said and I didn't say too much stuff because I never got fired. So (laughs) (laughs) it wasn't too bad, but nah, man, that was cool. That was cool. Well, and, and, uh, you know, one thing that I think would be important, uh, especially for me to avoid pain and and getting hit in the wrong direction would be to uh, employ humor. Uh, How important is it to be a funny guy on a football team. Can that benefit you or, or hurt you? Well, I, I think it can benefit. I think it can benefit me from a stand of morale, right? Sometimes. Cause like, you know, you may have had one or two losses or something, you know what I'm saying? The team might be down and it's like, man, now nah, we got, we got to keep this energy high, man. Cause I'm telling you as even Madden, if you play Madden, they got a morale <laughs> thing on there. You, you know what I'm saying? They got uh, a sure. morale. Your morale could be up or down. So I think morale plus talent. Cause see, because morale with no talent turns into no morale eventually, <laughs> yeah. especially playing a game like football. You, you can, it's hard to keep morale up when you're getting your butt kicked every week. But man, just like being able to keep things light, and life is precious, bro. Life's short, so it's like we ain't got to we ain't got to be serious all the time. And so I have used it as an asset in every area of my life, yeah. including football as a coach and as a player. What got you started in uh, stand up comedy? I know that's something else that you do. Man, listen here, Jimmy. This is just this the story I tell everybody, man. It, it's child support, man. It's what got me started. Child support, because I, I figured this. Listen, if you if you are a person who pay child support like I do, if you lose your job or not, they still gonna expect that money to roll in every week. And so one day I had just lost a job. I was working at the Goodwill. I had some stuff going on working at the Goodwill of North Georgia, and I had gotten fired. And I said, you know what? I'm I'm too good to be getting fired from the Goodwill of North Georgia. And I said that day, I said. If I could do anything else for the rest of my life, what would I do? And it's like, bro, make people laugh. Like, that's what I enjoy. I enjoy doing that. And you know that I did that before I even knew what stand-up. <laughs> I, I always knew what stand-up was. But because I grew up watching it, you know, the Martin Lawrence's and the Eddie Murphy's, um, I was always intimidated by it because it was like, it's one thing to be funny around your peers and family, but to go make a group of strangers laugh, like, that was always intimidating to me. But it was like about five, because I'll be doing, it'll be five years, five years since September, October, five years ago, I was sitting down having a come to Jesus meeting with myself. And I was like, if you can do anything for the rest of your life, what would you do? And that's what I landed on, man. What's the creative process when you're putting material together? So, you know, I start off like everybody else, right? Like writing, writing every day, writing 20, 30 minutes a day. And none of that, none of them jokes was worth a darn. It was all trash, right? So my writing process is I just live. Like I literally just live and I observe the funny things around me. And I just go from there. Yeah. So I'm a, I'm a premise-based writer. I'll write premises. I'll bullet point my taglines. And then I'll literally just go to open mics and just go. You know what I'm saying? And as long as I have the premise and I got the beginning and the end, I'll just kind of go until the joke begins to build itself out. And so sometimes when I'm on stage, I'll hear other punches or I'll come up with something real quickly, real creative to do that. Or other comedians will pull me to the side and be like, hey, you should do A, B, and C to punch up that joke. So that's my writing process. I literally just live and I just, I capture the things that are hilarious to me and I figure out, is this a me thing or can this universally be funny? So that's kind of how I do that. Well, and a good lesson that we all, that we learned from a lot of comedians is to bring the pain. And and Mm -hmm. I certainly have with my disability because there's good humor in that. Uh, What are some examples of you bringing the pain to your show to to make it funny? (laughs) Uh. So here's the thing. I normally don't, if I, I may vent on stage and hope something funny comes out of it. Cause a lot of times, like in the stand-up world, like I, a lot of comedians, they just be angry. Like, I'm like, bro, this ain't yeah. funny. This is angry. And so a lot of the stuff that's painful to me does not start off as funny. I got to work through it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so that I can then 
you know, deal with that. But like, you know, like growing up, my grandparents raised me, my parents were in and out. So like, just kind of, as I process that through, then I can turn it into a, into material and things like that. Like I do not have no jokes about my son's mother. Cause that is a current pain in my ass right now. So I don't, <laughs> it's not funny to me. It's my real life. Ain't nothing funny to me. So for me, a lot of times it's just like, okay, like, Nobody can tell you from the Zoom, but I'm five foot four. You know, I've lost some weight. I'm trying to get slim again. You know what I'm saying? But like, so there, there's some jokes about my height. Like, you know how like the new distressed jeans got the holes in them? Well, one <laughs> pair I got come down to my shins. And I'm like, if for normal size people, would probably come to their kneecaps. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but for me, but that's my reality, right? And I just happened to see it one day. And I said it on stage one day at the open mic. And the people went crazy. I said, oh, I'm keeping that. I said, I said I'm going to clearly keep that. Yeah. So just, just being aware of myself, addressing the elephants in the room. Um, but it, it, I think that you can use, once you heal through a place, you can use, for me, this is just me. Other people right. can't, I can't. Once I, cause it ain't funny. Cause I don't come across funny at all, Jimmy. I come across angry, you know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> but yeah. once I've worked through some stuff and I've healed through it, then I can take some of that stuff and use it as material on stage. You ever bomb or uh, have a heckler deal with you? If I ever bomb, what? listen, this is what I say. <laughs> Depend, now I'll say this in comedy. <laughs> And anybody who wants to get into comedy, I'm going to take this to you. Open mics are for bombing, okay? Because if you don't work on your new material, if you're doing your set at an open mic, I'll, I'll, you know, people say kill yourself. I don't know about kill yourself. <laughs> but, like, you, you're not you not doing it for what it's designed for, right? I done bombed at many open mics. Now, if, if I'm getting paid, you know, I got 5, 10, 15, 30 minutes that I know can work. You know what I'm saying? Right, but right. I bomb all the time at open mics because it's like, this is a new thought. It ain't flushed out, really. Mm -hmm. And even if it is flushed out, I don't mean it's going to be funny to nobody but me. So I bomb. Listen, if you a comedian afraid of bombing, this is not the field for you. Yeah. Fear of failure is not an option. No, that ain't. I remember four years ago because Facebook could tell all your business. I went to Nashville. I had done. I've been doing comedy for a year, and I was kind of getting my thing going on with the Atlanta comedy scene. I went to Nashville and I bombed two nights in a row. You hear me? Two nights in a row. So much like you know the athlete in me. I had angry tears coming down my <laughs> face, right? And so, but what's the lesson in that bomb? Right. The lesson was. I needed to make my material more universal. So what's universal materials, relationships, jobs, family, uh -huh. money, you know what I'm saying? Like versus a lot of my stuff was based on my experience living in Atlanta. Cause that was my truth. Right. Mm -hmm. So if I come to Indianapolis and I do a show hypothetically talking about some, some, some in Atlanta, y'all going to be looking like, what is he talking about? Unless <laughs> I do a good enough job of painting the picture or, or presenting the imagery. So yeah, man, I, I, I had bro, I had angry tears coming down my <laughs> face. I bombed two nights in a row. Shout out to Nashville comedians, Brad Sativa, DeHerm, Josh Black. Them cats, is, they, they all right with me. Listen, right. bring me back, baby. Y'all bring me back. I'm good now. I'm solid. I'm, I, I'm solid. I, I, I was a little <laughs> arrogant back then, but I'm cool now. I'm good. Uh, one of my favorite comedians still is uh, Chris Rock, and I, I credit him for taking time to absorb what happened to him at the Oscars. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> I just want to ask you, like, do you have any fear with, with what happened to him uh, and doing that profession? Because that's a, more of a risk now, I would feel like. Yeah, like, I don't really, I do, my crowd work ain't offensive. Like, right? You know what I'm saying? I'm like, oh, what's up? What's up, man? How you? I, I'm talking to you, I'm like, bro, your hair fresh, man. I'm trying to get mine like that, right? It's because it's not, it's not about being offensive. It's about me connecting. So I'm not 
really worried about it because I don't really, I'm at work. I don't really come to do that. And the people have come to enjoy. So I don't really try to um, make the crowd about my set. If it happens, it happens. Like if it's a heckler, it's on. What's happening? I'm, I'm ready for it. I want all the smoke. Because now you you interrupted me doing my job. You know what I'm saying? Uh -huh. But you be the audience and you chill out there and I'm going to be on stage and I chill and we're going to keep this, this space between us. But I just always want to tell anybody that sees this pod, I'm from the east side of Indianapolis. You you choose to move how you want to move from there. That's all I got to tell people. Right. Okay. Yeah. You choose to move. But I'm I'm here to do my job. Y'all here to be entertained. Let's keep it like that and let's keep it rolling. So well, no, I, ain't, I ain't really worried because I don't really bother nobody like that. Uh, well, and not that... Uh... You know, we want to borrow stuff that's that's appropriate, but like, do you have something in the back pocket that we could use to put down a heckler in the event that one confronts you? Like, what what would you typically say? <laughs> it 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 really like it's like I love hecklers because I'm in my most present yes. space. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's whatever. So it don't matter whatever they doing, whatever they saying, whatever the energy in the room is like. Like, I'm ready for it. If, okay. if, yeah. if it's talking about their girlfriend or boyfriend, whoever they with, if it's about the, listen, I'm ready for it. You know, and at the end of the day, I got the mic, so I'm always going to win, right? My voice is going to be louder. And so, like, I'm ready. I'm, I'm ready for whatever. Well, and uh, I made the rookie mistake at my first comedy show uh, to sit toward the front. Do you have any advice for, like, going to a comedy club for the first time? Be on time. Do not be late. Do yeah. not be late. Don't do a lot of things that draw attention to yourself. Use the bathroom before the show starts. Because, you know, at a comedy club, depending on where you sit, you might have to move all the way through just to get to the bathroom. Pee beforehand. Uh, try to look at the menu so you ain't got your light all on the menu beforehand. <laughs> right. And do, do not let them sit you up front. I'm trying to tell you, do not let them sit you up front because because a lot of times, depending on the lighting of the stage, all we can see is the first couple of rows. Yeah. So be on time. Don't draw attention to yourself. And then, then also, know if your woman too fine, then don't take your woman to no comedy show because I'm, I'm going to flirt with her. I'm just going to tell you right now. <laughs> so take if Listen, if you got an eight or above, do not take her to no comedy show. That's all I'm saying. We, well, we comedians, we be looking for fine women all the time. So listen. And we won't talk about you and your fan woman. Well, and, uh, you know, my dad was a singer musician in his day. That was something that he did in his spare time. And something that bothered him uh, was when people have their cell phone out. I mean, is that even allowed? Are people able to like film? It, it depends. It depends on, it depends on the, um, the level of the show. Right. So when you start to get to the um, sometimes the headliner will request that it be no filming. And so the host will go out and communicate that, you know, lately Chappelle, Chris Rock, Kevin Hart, they got the little contraption where they lock your phone up when you come in. Right. So, you know, you can't do that. And for me, when I post the, the comedy, I normally post a lot of stuff is crowd work because it's not original material. So, you know, you probably won't ever hear this again or I might not. Or if I liked it, I might adapt it. But I, that's the type of stuff I try to post. But yeah, it, it just depends. It depends on the club, the headliner, and then what they've established as the, the filming rules. And just one thing that I, I do want to ask you, because I think it's a difficult thing for comedy right now. I know that your comedy isn't too controversial, but are you worried about cancel culture and being politically correct with what you say too? This is what I believe, Jimmy, and I'm going to be honest with you. I think you can talk about anything in the world as long as you're clever with it, right? Yeah. You, you clever. You got to be clever. It can't just be 
where all the gay people at? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you can't be <laughs> hacky in that in that situation. You know what I'm saying? But I think you can talk about any and everything as long as you, it's clever and it's creative and it's it's something people haven't heard before. It, outside of that, you start that, that's when you start to run into trouble. So my my material, and I, I think most of it's not offensive. Like I try to talk about elephants in the room. You know what I'm saying? And if it's an elephant in the room, we've all noticed it. I'm just a guy ballsy enough to talk about it. So <laughs> perfect. Yeah. No, I ain't. Mm -mm, I ain't. Um, we'll wrap up with this, man. What are the best life lessons you've been able to gather from both your experience in uh, sports and, and comedy to this point? That's dope. I'm glad it's a great question. Uh, I think you hit on hit on it toward earlier. It's like failure, right? You can't be afraid to fail because it's gonna happen, right? I, I tell people all the time. <laughs> I knew I knew what too drunk was when I got too drunk. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like you know, it's some stuff in life. And I use it as an example, some stuff in life you don't know until you go out there. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know what certain stuff is until you have success. Football-wise, coaching-wise, you know, um, celebrate the wins. Don't get too down about the losses because we got to go do it again the next week. You know what I'm saying? And I used to always tell my guys when we watch football film, it's never as bad as you thought it was, and it was never as good as you thought it was. And I apply that to life, bro. A lot of stuff, it ain't never, when you really reflect, and I be trying to give my meditate on when I really reflect on life it ain't that bad or it's like it really was like okay yeah we beat yeah we beat Terre Haute South by 80 points okay everybody beat you know what I'm saying like and so that's I've gotten that on um, relationships right relationships are very important man sustaining those relationships um I've learned that in both things right I I, I get I get booked because I was a uh I was the OC for a high school down here in, in Georgia this past season and so just coaching high school football takes a lot out of you. But during that time, I had friends and other comedians that knew I could get busy that would call me and say, hey, man, I got a show. Come get on it. So relationships are, are important. And then lastly, do your job, man. Like, do your job. If, if you're a comedian and you book to do five minutes and they give you the light at four, do your last minute and get up out of there. Because they'll, 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 they'll book you again. You know what I'm saying? Whatever your job is, man, just do your job and, and, and go kill it go every time like every time i step on stage i don't care who out there i ended up true story and i'll leave with this i ended up headlining the atlanta comedy theater uh, a couple months ago which is a big comedy club down here we have a we have an underground location now um and it's kind of got more like a, it's more like a vegas style club because like the stage to the people y'all right on top of each other right so the headliner was here i ain't gonna say nobody's name he was there it was only four people in the audience right i yeah. think he felt some type of way about something else you know what i'm saying he left Left. Next thing you know, yeah, I, I I headlined that Friday night. You know what I'm saying? And then people didn't come to see me, but in my mind, I'm like, they deserve to see headline worth material because that's what they paid for. So that's what I'm gonna give them. So every time I touch a stage, every time I anything I do, I try to give it my all, man. I try to leave it out there on the field and let the chips fall where they may. My man. Hey, uh, how can people reach out and uh, contact you if they feel compelled? Man, I got a lot of stuff, Jimmy. So I'm 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 a geek dad. Uh, my socials, uh, comedian Ty Dixon on Facebook, uh, on Instagram, Ty Dixon, D I X S O N 317 on Instagram. Um, I've got a company called Lyrics and Laughs Media, that's where I, I promote and produce my comedy shows, Jokes and Jams. That's my baby, that's a show where I'll either headline or host, and then I'll come back with a live band. You said your dad was a singer, I sing too, bro, so I'll come back with a live right. band. And uh, actually, Jimmy, uh, my last show, Zach Woods and Mitch Davis came to my last show. There you go. Wow. And, 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 uh, it was July, July of last year. So that was great. Shout out to them. Uh, shout out to Zach, too. Zach's having a baby. So it's like my it's like my other son. 
uh, Lyrics and Laughs Media. That is my website for you can book me for hosting, comedy, music. I do it all. You can go there for that. And then uh, I've also got a thing called Handsome Hustle, which is a brand that I got that's really geared towards the mental health of men and us being better and supporting each other. So handsomewithhustle.com, that's a website too. Uh, I got one of my t-shirts on, betting on me. This is it. This is on my uh, my Handsome With Hustle. Uh, so right. check that out. Uh, I got merch. I got all kind of stuff. All I got right. some stuff on YouTube. So whatever you need, I'm here, baby. Whatever <laughs> you got. Now I appreciate you. Appreciate you for reaching out. This has been great. I appreciate you, man. Yeah, man, it's uh, it's been over ten years since I've seen you, man, but we we man, picked up like yeah, like it hadn't been a second. So I uh, really do appreciate it, sir. And uh, yeah, folks, to hear this again, uh, you can check out my material at linktree.com/jbk on air. You can also get the podcast anywhere that you get your podcast by searching JBK on air. Until next time, have a great day and a better tomorrow.